Welcome to the QAV Investing Podcast. My name's Cameron Riley. Uh, if you're brand new, basically this show, I talk to my mate, Tony Kynaston. Tony's been a professional investor for 30 years, and he developed a system called QAV, quality at value. How do you buy shares in quality companies at the right value? And he's used that to get very good returns for his own portfolio over the last 30 years. He has an average annual compound return of 19.5%. And what we do on this podcast is he teaches me and our listeners how he invests, how to use the QAV system. You're listening to the free episode, goes for about half an hour. Uh, There's also a longer premium episode for our club members, but I'll explain that Later on, uh, this week on the free episode, we're talking about RIP Chris Bailey from the Saints, most importantly. Then we get into talking about uh, platinum being a sell and uh, why Zimplats, which is ostensibly a platinum miner share price, continues to go up despite the fact that platinum is a sell. We talk about the federal election and how it affects us as investors. Tony does a deep dive on Bendigo and Adelaide Bank. There's uh, more in the premium episode, but that's what we'll be talking about on the free episode this week. So without any further ado, let's get into it. QAV episode 514 TK, recording this on Tuesday, the 12th of April, 2022. RIP to Chris Bailey from the Saints, Tony. Yeah, what a shame. Did you ever see them? I did not. Did you? Oh, yeah, a couple of times. I went to East Rugby Leagues Club in Brisbane in the early 90s and saw their triumphant return from overseas. Uh, and they really rocked the place. It was fantastic. What about back in the day? They would have been your era, right? You were in Brisbane, they were in Brisbane? Yeah, yeah. I saw them uh, in the late 70s, early 80s. Would have been around the time I just started at university. But they went overseas almost straight away. They went to the UK almost straight away from obscurity in Brisbane in the late, in sort of about 76, 77. But then they came back a couple of times and they, they were quite big in the 90s anyway. But yeah, fantastic, fantastic live act. Ed Cooper's still going around today. And I'd say Know Your Product would be close to my favourite track. I just love it. Put it on all the time, turn it up, great driving song. The brass that they've got going down there, the ba-da-bum-bum-ba, like a punk band with a brass section. (laughs) It's pretty cool. It's great, isn't it? It's a great combo having the the brass section and the rock band. Midnight Oil did it too, really. Strongly inserted hunters and collectors. I just, it's a great era in uh, Aussie rock. Yeah. Bring back the brass band into rock bands, I say. Anyway, another one falls. It's, uh, I don't know, man. It's pretty scary when you see these people. They're not exactly contemporaries of mine, but probably 10 years older than me, I think, Chris Bailey. But uh, yeah, it's a bit, bit scary when you start to see these people fall. Yeah. I can't imagine he had the most, the healthiest of lives anyway, but. Um, Obviously a good one. Yeah. Well, let's talk about what else is going on. Uh, Platinum is a sell, Tony. But as we'll see in the questions when we get to Q&A, Platinum stocks are going up, even though Platinum's a sell. We'll have to work out uh, what that all means later on in the Q&A section. Yeah, so you're right. Platinum is a sell, but I do have an answer further on when the question arises. Oh, okay. Good stuff. Why is platinum a sell? I mean, apart from purely charting reasons, any idea why platinum prices dropping? No, I don't. And in fact, uh, 
I did read an article last week saying the spot price for platinum was rising, so I'm not sure why the the platinum physical graph is is turned down. Couldn't really guess. I thought all of these sort of rare earth metals, uh, I'm not sure if platinum's considered that, but it must be relatively rare. I thought uh, they were all booming at the moment because of the war and supply chain issues, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I would have thought so too. So I can't really explain it. Sorry. Well, probably one of our listeners out there is an expert on these things. They'll be able to let us know. A lot of smart cookies, including... I have to give a shout out to Gary Martin. Uh, when Chrissy and I were in Bundy, he invited us up to Agnes Waters where he and his partner and law live. So we uh, drove up. Uh, it's about an hour and a half drive from Bundy up to 1770 Agnes Waters. Had uh, a couple of beers and uh, Chrissy and I had a little bit of fish and chips. We're up there. Lovely little spot. Little cafe on the water. Beautiful. It had cooled down a little bit. Really, really cruising. Wow, that sounds great. I have to get up there sometime myself. Uh, well done. That's great. And obviously, what a great lifestyle living in a place like that and just watching your investments grow. Fantastic. Yeah, Gary was uh, telling me over a few beers how his portfolio's been doing and he's just, he's uh, couldn't be happier. <laughs> he's kind of, <laughs> kind of blown away by how well it's going. So there you go. You follow the rules and it just works. And speaking of that, shout out to Andu Co. I'm not sure who that stands for, but they left a review for us, which was really good, really nice. And uh, a common theme to what we often get as feedback, he, he claims, or I guess it's a he, he claims it was life-changing for him. Oh, that's nice. It's probably, that sounds like Andy down in uh, Melbourne. It does, yeah, but I wasn't sure. Oh, right. Federal election is coming up, Tony, May uh, 21, I think. Are you, uh, you know, how's this going to affect value investors, QAV investors, Tony, the federal election? I don't think it will. It hasn't affected me before. It's a funny old thing, though, isn't it? Someone posted on Facebook today that the government's gone into caretaker mode. In case you hadn't noticed, they can't do anything. <laughs> Just thought it was funny. And then uh, yesterday, Elbow stubbed his toe by not knowing what the unemployment rate was or, or what the RBA cash rate was. And uh, I think most listeners to the show would be able to rattle those off. So that makes us all qualified to be prime minister, according to the political pundits, because he's not qualified based on the fact he couldn't get them right. I mean, I did think that was pretty embarrassing, but I also thought it's 2022. Like, why doesn't he have an iPhone <laughs> in front of him? With all of the prices on it, like it's the old Henry Ford libel case for me. You know, that story where some newspaper, I think, said he was an idiot or he was stupid or something. And Henry Ford sued them for libel or defamation, one or the other. And in the court case, the defense got him up on the stand and asked him a whole bunch of questions, technical questions about his business that they were saying, he, look, he can't even answer basic questions about his own business. And he supposedly, and this is probably anecdotal, but he supposedly replied, oh, I don't need to be able to answer those questions. I can pick up a phone and I can call 10 guys to work for me that can answer those questions. Why do I need to be able to answer those questions? It's a waste of my time to know the answers to those things. I'm thinking about big picture stuff like how great Hitler is and, you know, what we're going to do about all the Jews and stuff like that. i got the big problems to worry about. Uh, thank goodness he's not alive. There'd be another libel case, I think, probably in the offing. No, he'd be like, damn straight, damn straight I said those things. He was quite proud of his 
support for uh, the Nazis. Anyway, yes. Einstein said the same thing about uh, why he couldn't remember his own phone number. He said, why would I bother when I can look it up? <laughs> yeah, and I don't have to call myself every day. I'm worrying about bigger things like E equals MC squared. <laughs> why do I care what my phone number is? <laughs> That's always my excuse when I don't know something. Is I'm like, listen, I have bigger <laughs> things to worry about than the fact that it's your birthday today, wife. Come on, I'm thinking about big picture things. Uh, like who my next wife's going to be when you divorce me for forgetting things. <laughs> no. Speaking of anniversaries, I am going to give Chrissy a shout out because I do remember this one. This Friday is her 10-year sobriety anniversary. I know she won't mind me saying that because she's, you know, she's quite open about it these days. But, yeah, 10 years since she gave up drinking. Yeah, it's a, it's a great achievement. I'm very proud of her. I'll have to try. If you compare a picture of me to a picture of her, I think she's winning. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you can go be sober for 10 years, come back, Tony. You never know. You might give her a run for her money. Exactly. It's a before and after picture. (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So federal election doesn't really matter. None of these things sort of matter for us, right? Not really, no. I mean, there's been research done on which government helps the stock market more and things like that. But overall, I don't think it's going to make a big difference. Stock market does what the stock market does, right? Yeah. Speaking of stock market, uh, stocks of the week, GMA and WAF, both large cap stocks. I couldn't find any micro cap stocks or small cap stocks this week that weren't, uh, we haven't already done as a stock of the week recently and uh, that weren't a Josephine or whatever. It's slim pickings down in the small end of the uh, QAV scorecard this week, depending on what kind of bands you're looking at, though. We are looking in particular bands. But uh, GMA, WAF, both looking good. You and I own them, I think, in our own portfolios. I think they're on our disclosure sheet. I know you own WAF. I think I own GMA. Yeah. I don't have GMA, so you must. So, yeah, then for people that are new, Stocks of the Week, when we go through the buy list on a Monday, we look for stocks that we haven't talked about recently, that are high up on the chart, doing well, they're not a Josephine. Just for the people that are busy out there, they may be thinking, okay, look, I don't have time to do a full checklist myself this week. Give me a couple of stocks that I can have a look at that I can do my own research on. but. Might be worth checking out. There are stocks of the week. So GMA and WAF, if you're looking for a couple of good stocks this week. Our portfolio is uh, back in the black, Tony. Well, it's been in the black the whole time. You mean it's above the index? Well, that's all that matters. Yeah, that's the black for me in terms of the uh, how we're going in Nevexa versus the ASX 200. Uh, we're back above it, not by much, but we're slightly above it. I still don't understand how that can possibly be true, particularly yeah. when I look at like our best performing <laughs> stocks for the financial year. Whoa, my God, that's changed from when I looked this morning. KOV is up 69% since we're in this financial year. KOV in our portfolio is up 69%. GRR is up 58%. IGL is up 46 CAA is up 42 GWR is up 29, it was 41 last week, so it's come back quite a bit. I don't know why. KSC is up 20% this financial year. ECX is up 14. CVW is up 10. 
But uh, according to Nivex's CAGA, we're only up about 8% for the financial year overall. And I don't think we have that many losses in there either from memory. No, we had the the iron stocks because I think what happened here is, you know, this is on a financial year basis and late last calendar year, maybe second quarter of the financial year, our iron stocks declined rather rapidly when the iron price came down and we sold them. So if you're just measuring our portfolio from when the iron stocks were riding high as as the starting point and then they lost a lot of ground, I think that's pulled it down for the financial year. Would that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does make sense completely. But I haven't reconciled the CAGA for this financial year. We're talking financial year here too, financial year to date. The portfolio since inception is still beating the market by a multiple two or three times. Yeah, I think we're 27 per annum since inception versus about 9% for the ASX 200 per annum. And I do have a question mark over 27% per annum. I think it's more like 21, but um, anyway, it's still double market. Anyway, so that's that. Uh, what have you got to talk about in news today, Tony? It's not a whole lot. The buy list has had a couple of recent additions. ANZ is back on the buy list. I'm going to do a pulled pork on the bank this week, a different one, Bendigo and Adelaide Bank, which has also risen to the top of our buy list, or nearly. It's number two. Hawthorne is now a buy, Hawthorne Resources, which was on our buy list a couple of years ago, I think. It's transformed from an energy stock into an iron ore stock and had some positive news recently. So it's back on our buy list with a recent three-point trend line. So wasn't that the one where Chris Corrigan or somebody was on the board and they left and it price crashed and yes. we took a loss on that one, I think, by the time we got out in our portfolio, something nasty happened. Yeah, it was quite volatile in the end, for sure. And uh, now it's come back as an iron ore miner and it's resurrected itself. Bandwagon jumping. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes these small mining stocks can do that, for sure. What were they before? Gold? Hawthorne? I think they were oil from memory. New Guinea, maybe? I can't recall, but yeah, they're now iron ore and they weren't before. Yeah, so some recent additions. People should check out the buy list if they haven't done it for a while. As you mentioned, GMA and West African Resources are doing well. They're both on the buy list. Top performers for the week have in our dummy portfolio were YAL up 12.8% and New NHC, New Hope Coal up 11.2%. Uh, so I think New Hope Coal was a recent addition or a recent recommendation, not recommendation, a recent uh, stock of the week. You're saying GWR's up 10%. Yeah. This report that I'm looking at comes out Monday to Monday and GWR is down again today. So I don't think it would qualify as our best mover as of today, this week. Right. Okay. It was up 10%, but I think it dropped about 9% today. Did you mention ANZ being back on the buy list? I did. Yes. It's back on the buy list. So I had a look at that yesterday morning, Monday morning, and it was a Josephine, but I think it then shot up yesterday. It looks like it's Back down today, though, it's uh, 27.37. I think it's a Josephine again. Yeah, when I had a look this morning or yesterday afternoon, it was good. And I'll, I'll do a pulled pork now on Bendigo Adelaide Bank. And I guess talking about ANZ is a good way to introduce that because with the interest rates turning and, and generally turning up or expected to turn up, that does provide some headwinds for banks in general. So people might want to just have a look at some of the banks that are on our buy list. We spoke about ABA, 
recently. And now I'll do Bendigo and Adelaide Bank and ANZ's up there as well. And except for if interest rates are rising so quickly they cause a recession or if there's a yield curve inversion, which we spoke about recently as well, which means the long-term rates are lower than the short-term rates in the bond market, generally banks do better. And it's a bit like mining stocks when the resource price rises. The interest rates have a similar sort of effect on the banks. They're not selling interest rates, but in a way they kind of are because they're, they're selling mortgages. And a bit like we spoke about with a, a stock like capital, as long as they can pass on price rises as they experience them, which and a price rise for a bank is the borrowing costs go up, which is, occurs because of interest rate rises, then they're likely to make more money because their infrastructure costs don't really change. They still have the same systems, people, branch network, et cetera, IT costs. And if uh, dollar value of their, their mortgages go up because the interest rates are higher, then uh, as long as the percentage margin stays the same in a dollar basis, they'll make more income. And a couple of other things are at play. Generally, you'll find that on the way down as interest rates are lowering, the, the banks have to be pressured to pass on interest rate cuts. They try and hold on to the interest rate, the higher interest rate for as long as they can. And, but when the interest rates are rising, you can bet your bottom dollar the interest rate margins go up pretty quickly on mortgages in lockstep. So they tend to make a little bit more money on the way up than the way down. And you can probably see this. The best example is if people go into Stock Doctor and look at some of the bank stocks and Bendigo and Adelaide Bank is an example and ANZ is an example. In Stock Doctor, you can go way back until about 1990 for past numbers, even on the front page of the, um, the bank stock. And you can see the ROE and, and generally it tracks interest rates. So over that long period of time since the 90s, interest rates have been, uh, the ROE, sorry, have been coming down for the banks and interest rates have been coming down for the banks. And you can see in certain times they've been, they've had negative ROE because of recessions, which has been just bad for, for their business in general. But generally they've come down from sort of on average, say, High teens, maybe 20% ROE down to single figures ROE now. Now, there's other things at play there. Competition obviously reduces the ROE, but uh, they do have a correlation to interest rates. So you'd expect the ROE to start to slightly increase as interest rates do. So that's the general, I guess, backdrop to talking about banking stocks. It it might be something people want to have a look at on that basis, even though I won't um, invest because of thematics. We are certainly seeing banking stocks coming back onto the buy list now people might want to have a look at them. Further on in questions from our listeners, we have a question about whether having a diverse board, at least a gender diverse board, improves returns. And I should point out that both the chair and the MD of this company, Bendigo and Adelaide Bank, are female. And they have a not quite 50% female directors on the board, but almost 50%. So again, if someone's interested in whether diverse companies perform better and want to have a look at it, have a look at Bendigo Bank as well. Bit of a summary on what Bendigo and Adelaide Bank is. It was a merger of two regional banks. So Bendigo obviously had its own bank and Adelaide had its own bank as well. And as we've spoken about in the past, the the sort of regional banks are competing against the majors and to try and get economies of scale to help them compete, there's been various mergers and acquisitions over the years. And so Bendigo and Adelaide Bank merged and uh, they're now combined, obviously. Bendigo Bank is the interesting one. They, They have a history of community involvement. And they set up back in the day when banks were cutting their branch networks, Bendigo made a name for itself by expanding, by going out into communities. And basically, if a a local area could put together enough people who were prepared to invest in a local branch and help to run it, then they put up half the money and go into almost like a joint venture on the branch. And so 
I'm not sure if that's still operating as strongly as it was in the past, but that's certainly the heritage with this bank. And one of the positives for them is they do have very strong ties to regional, sometimes city communities where, they, where people have put together and formed a branch when the other big banks have been pulling branches out of their neighborhoods as well. And that's kind of like, that's the USP, the unique selling proposition for this bank. And on the negative side, as I said before, they, they find it um, harder to compete with the large, larger banks because of the larger banks' as economies of scale. You can best see that in what's called the cost to income ratio for a bank. So one of the key metrics that analysts will focus on when they're talking about banks is what's called the jaws or the, the gap between the costs and the income. And that's expressed as a ratio. And I uh, looked at the annual report for Bendigo and Adelaide Bank, and I think they're running at about 60% cost to income ratio, which is probably about a good 5 to 10% worse than the majors. So that's the kind of disadvantage they have. Basically, it's a, it's a lower margin than the, uh, the main banks, but they do have on the plus side this uh, credibility with local areas. That's the background for this particular bank. Going through the QAV numbers, I'm using a share price of $10.37 for this which is just below the consensus target of it's just below by about 0.3 of a percent. So it may lose this score if the share price rises uh, from here, but it is just below the consensus target and it's a, it's a recent consensus target. So it scores. The yield on this bank is 5.11%. So this is another example where you're better off investing in the shares rather than putting your money on deposit with the bank. You'll get paid a, a pretty good yield, but that yield is higher than the... Uh, the rate we're using to test. So it gets a score for that. Health is good. It's steady and strong. The price to operating cash flow for this bank based on its latest results is a little over one. So you're basically buying it for operating cash flow at this price, which is uh, really deep value. It's just above its IV1, but less than IV2. It's uh, less, just slightly less than its um, net equity per share, which means it's certainly less than its net equity per share plus 30%. So it scores for that. On the downside, the financial growth projected by the analysts is to shrink by 10%. So that may cause some problems going forward. I'm not sure what's behind that, but that's something to be aware of. This is a star income stock in Stock Doctor. So it scores half a point for that. In terms of the manual data, it is a record low PE for the last uh, three years. It's a new three-point upturn, but it doesn't have consistently increasing equity. So sum all those things up, and this scores highly on quality. It scores 79%. And because of that low prop cap, it's scoring 0.74 for QAV, and it's number two on our buy list this week. Do you own it? Disclaimer time. I own it. No, I don't. I do. I've held it for a while. Yeah, I bank with Bendigo too, and um, I have found their service pretty good over the years, except recently when I... I haven't had a credit card for a long time, but I wanted to apply for a credit card for this upcoming trip to the US just as a backup in case somebody gets hit by a car or something. And uh, I spoke to the manager over the phone at the local branch. He's like, oh, yeah, you're going to need to come in. We're going to need to have an appointment and a meeting and you're going to need to bring your tax returns and you're going to have to do this and do that. And I was like, geez, man, it's 2022. Can't you just apply for credit cards online these days? I did. I went and got an Amex card. It was approved in three <laughs> seconds and they sent it to me. I'm like, dude, why? I don't know. I've been banking with them for like 10 years and, you know. Maybe that's why. <laughs> yeah, that's probably. <laughs> <laughs> 
He pulled out the file and there's a big stamp on the car. <laughs> Mind you, credit cards, right? The interest rate they charge on a credit card, phew, they should just be giving them away. Particularly for me, they'd be like, oh, this guy, he's going to not be able to pay that back. We're going to make a fortune on him. <laughs> so, yeah, no, apart from that, pretty good experience. All right. I wanted to give a shout out to Dale from the Money and Investing podcast uh, who had you as a guest this week. I think he's based in Brisbane, Dale. I think he popped up on a Brisbane podcasters subreddit or something and I, or Facebook group and I said, yeah, I'm a podcaster and uh, you should get Tony on. I, I had a listen. Seemed like it went well. You did a great job as always. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it was most enjoyable. It's great. He was a good interviewer. So, uh, and I, and you got a sneaky plug in there for the book and the film. I like that. That was good. So, uh, yeah, just if you, people are looking for another investing podcast to have a listen to in between QAV episodes, check out the Money and Investing Podcast by Dale. Well, uh, you got anything else before we get into Q&A, Tony? Uh, no, I'm good. All right. This one's from Diamond Dunk. Oh, by the way, so Diamond Doug sent this on via Slack. <laughs> I did say, I think, last week that I was going to turn off the Facebook group and just move over to our um, own group on the QAV side and the Slack group. Got a few emails from a few people who I think conspired to all hit me within a half-hour period with a barrage of emails and messages saying, don't turn off the Facebook group or we will come at you with torches and pitchforks. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, back down, Al-Qaeda. It's fine. You can have your Facebook group. I'll keep it up there. Jeez. I thought I was doing everybody a favor. I know a lot of people have said, said, oh, thank God you're getting on Facebook. I hate it. Slack's great. And then I've had a few people go, Slack what? You're Slack. Just keep the Facebook group going. So, look, for the time being, uh, we'll keep them all going and I'll just cross-post across everything. If you want to ask a question or post something, go to the forum that you're most comfortable with. I will see it, hopefully, most of the time. Chances are. (laughs) And at some point, we'll figure out, hopefully, a solution that everyone's happy with. But I don't want to upset anyone, so I'm not going to turn anything off. So this question came in via Slack from Diamond Dunk. He said, it looks like Platinum has crossed its 3PTL to be a sell. But Zim looks to be roaring off into a bright future. I find myself conflicted about whether to hold or sell. Wonder what TK would do. The Bible says nothing about selling a stock because its commodity is a sell, so I guess I should just hold. But it actually does, and I did dig that up in the Bible. I think it's page 29, Senate Dunk. Also, Max sent me an email saying, Hey, Cam, I've been thinking of selling Zim for about a week. Platinum's right on its sell line, and so was Zim. The war pushed Platinum higher but it had been dropping since the market has gotten used to Vlad dropping bombs. I channeled my inner Iceman and held on until it genuinely crossed. Well, yesterday, Zim was up 4%, today another 10%. Further proof you shouldn't act too early, no matter how many signals you're getting. But uh, I'm confused. I don't hold Zim, but if I did, I wouldn't be sure what to do here. Tony, what should people be thinking about when it comes to Platinum and Zim? Yeah, so I don't, I don't own it. Haven't followed it, but I did look into it this morning when I got the question. And what I want to do is take people through my thinking. So, like uh, Diamond Dunk, I was unsure what was going on because Platinum had crossed its three point trend line, but the shares, Zim shares, were going up. So, the first thing I did was to jump into Stock Doctor and have a look at any recent announcements in case that had caused 
the stock to rise, like potentially they've, you know, done a, a merger or an acquisition or they've sold something or they're doing a big cash return or whatever can put a sale behind the share price or wind under the share price. But I couldn't find any of that. So my next uh, step was to uh, have a look at what was happening with the announcements. So I went into the announcements and really the only the only thing that's been announced in the last little while was their half yearly report and accounts. So I jumped into that to have a look at what the commentary was in that in case there was something going on there that I hadn't uh, been aware of. And so I just sort of scrolled down, usual sort of blurb from the board and, uh, and the MD. Everything's great. It's going great. We're, getting, we're killing it. We're yeah, killing it. It's going great. It's going to get better. And, uh, but in the director's report, so if anyone wants to have a look for themselves, this is uh, page nine, so not too far into it. There's a, a table that shows the, the total metal production for the company last year. And lo and behold, if the rightmost column is the annual. There's three col- four columns, two columns of the half yearly numbers and the variance in the, the total year column. Platinum produced 226,000 ounces. Palladium produced 226,000 ounces. So I thought, hang on, we said this was a platinum company. So I jumped into Stock Doctor back into the front page again because there's a, usually a, a section in the lower right-hand side about how much each resource is taking up of the sales and profit. And lo and behold, according to Stock Doctor, the revenue from platinum for this company was $327 million, but the revenue from palladium is $663 million. So platinum isn't as important as we thought. Now, I wondered whether, therefore, I got this wrong in the past, but I think if you look at the palladium graph, the price has probably doubled in the last year or so. So I think platinum was the dominant metal last time we had a look at this, and now palladium has become more important to the company. And if you have a look at the palladium graph, it's nowhere near a three-point sell. And I did a quick Google search on palladium, and, of course, what's happened is Russia has been sanctioned, and it's one of the biggest producers in the world of palladium. So... Companies like Zimplats have benefited from that. They've become the only game in town since Russia was sanctioned. And that's why the share price is taking off. And what is palladium? <laughs> I don't know. It's, again, it's one of those metals that they use in, I think, circuit boards and other electronics. I, I don't really know what it's used for. I don't know much about it. This is the first time I've come across it from an investing point of view, but it was, uh, it's been a surprise looking at it uh, rise in value so quickly. It's a symbol PD. Atomic number 46, Tony, discovered in 1803 by English chemist William Hyde Wollaston, named it after the asteroid Pallas, which itself was named after the Greek goddess Athena, acquired when she slew Pallas. She was known as Athena Pallas or Pallas Athena. Palladium, platinum, rhodium, ruthenium, iridium, and osmium form a group of elements referred to as the platinum group metals. They have similar chemical properties, but palladium has the lowest melting point and is the least dense of them, as opposed to me, who has a very high melting point, but is quite quite dense. Uh, More than half the supply... Of palladium and its congener platinum is used in catalytic converters, which convert as much as 90% of the harmful gases in automobile exhaust into harmless substances. Palladium is also used in electronics, dentistry, medicine, hydrogen purification, chemical applications, 
groundwater treatment and jewelry. It's also a key component of fuel cells in which hydrogen and oxygen react to produce electricity, heat, and water. So there you go. South Africa actually has a lot of palladium in the Transvaal Basin, the Stillwater Complex in Montana in the United States, the Sudbury Basin and Thunder Bay District of Ontario, Canada, and the Norisk Complex in Russia. So there you go. Yeah, and Zimplatz is based in Zimbabwe. It's where the Zim comes from, which is not too far from South Africa. So there you go. So this is this old, uh, if you look at that earnings breakdown, palladium is the biggest component, rhodium, which you just spoke about is the next biggest one, and then platinum. So in fact, there's two other things which are now more important to this company than platinum. So I think we should look at those graphs going forward. Uh, according to a report I've got here, world demand for palladium increased from 100 tonnes in 1990 to nearly 300 tonnes in 2000. The global production of palladium from mines was 222 tonnes in 2006. Many were concerned about a steady supply of palladium in the wake of Russia's annexation of Crimea, partly as sanctions could hamper Russian palladium exports. Any restrictions on Russian palladium exports could have exacerbated what was already expected to be a large palladium deficit in 2014. Palladium reached $2,024 per troy ounce on the 6th of January 2020, passing $2,000 per troy ounce for the first time. Price rose above $3,000 per troy ounce in May 2021 and March 2022. It's currently at about $2,375. That's the bid anyway. The ask is $2,525, so halfway between the two. But, yeah, it's having a great run. Yeah, I'm just looking at the – there's a – just did a Google search on how much Russia contributes to the world palladium market, and this is the global tonnage for 2021. South Africa produced 80, I guess, tonnes of palladium. It is metric tonnes of palladium. I guess it must be a highly refined – small by volume type metal. And then Russia produced 74 tonnes, so almost the same size as South Africa, and they dwarfed the other countries, Canada 17 tonnes, US 14, Zimbabwe 13, other countries 2.8 tonnes. So taking Russia out of that market, and I don't know if it's all been taken out, but potentially out of that market is probably reducing sort of 40% of the market supply. There you go, palladium. You learn something every day. So when we think Zimplats these days, we need to think platinum and palladium and maybe palladium right now is the more important of the two. Yeah, and rhodium, I think, was the third one. Rhodium, R-H-O-D-I-U-M. Anyway, it's all on the earnings breakdown section of Stock Doctor and also in the annual report for people who don't have Stock Doctor. So there you go, Diamond Duncan Max, also one of my favourite 70s prog rock bands, Diamond Duncan Max. Did some good albums. I think Robert Fritt played with them for a while after King Crimson. I'm not sure. Well, that's all the time we have for the free episode this week. The uh, public, the, the sorry, the club episode, the premium episode goes for about another uh, half an hour, something like that, where we answer more listener questions. If you're interested in checking out QAV Club, the full episodes, plus you get access to Tony's checklist and the Getting Started Guide and a you get invites to our VIP dinners around the country and Zoom calls and lots of other benefits. Just go up to our website, qavpodcast.com.au, sign up for the two-week free trial. If you're not ready to uh, learn how to do this yourself, but you still want to invest using Tony's kind of 
methodology, value investing methodology, check out QAV Lite. It's our program designed for people who don't want to do the work themselves but still want to invest. Go to qavpodcast.com.au slash light, L-I-G-H-T. You can read about how we run that. You get a couple of stock tips every week that you can uh, throw into your portfolio that should do better than uh, the market over the long term because we're using our QAV system to pick those stocks. So that's qavpodcast.com.au slash light. Uh, if you want to go to, if you want to trial out QAV club, go to qavpodcast.com.au and just search for the free trial and the uh, club section there. Uh, yeah, that's it. I don't really have anything else for this week. Good luck, stay safe, and uh, happy investing. The QAV podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFS cell 520442, AFS representative number 00129217182. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions.